In the twisting catacombs and ruins of the Necromunda Underhive, there are those who use their skills and knowledge navigating the tunnels to earn their living guiding gangs through peril to new opportunities. So grab your ammo and your respirator and join us on The Dome Runners. The refinery air was hot and acrid, an oppressive environment that made Polan queasy. The hiss of venting gases made hearing dicey too, and the gases stung his eyes, leading him to put on his goggles. Jurgen hadn't splurged on respirators for his gangers prior to sending them in to knock over the rogue Factoria gang's operation, and they were now paying the price. Wanting to get out of the hazy, hostile Factoria floor, Poe began climbing the nearest ladder to the catwalks lining the equipment. Scanning for sentries, he kept climbing, hoping for a better view. As he pulled himself up onto a third-story platform, shots ricocheted off the top of the silo. Poe ducked and nearly slipped off the edge, catching the grating with his hand. He pulled himself up and swung his Lao's rifle to his shoulder, turning and hoping for any sign of the direction the attack came from. Poe caught the glint of a rifle two levels below and opened up with his weapon. A satisfying ow emanated from the lower level, his shot connecting somewhere on the gunman. As he shuffled forward in a crouch, he scanned for the source of the voice, but it appeared the gunman had fallen back. Suddenly, a scream came from a large man in a hazard suit jumping down from the next story up, knife drawn, to engage Palan. The man lost his footing as he hit the deck plate, however, and he slipped off the edge and fell the remaining two stories to the factoria floor. He issued a pained groan, obscured by the hazy clouds in the air. Poe said a prayer to the emperor and continued creeping along the catwalk. He needed to get to the other side of the Factoria to unlock the bay doors and bring their heavy weapons into the facility. The other gangers were sneaking through the Factoria, but the space was so vast they couldn't see each other, and they needed to stay radio silent to prevent the gang from intercepting their transmissions. As the catwalk came to an end, Poe descended a ladder, a few hundred yards from the control room, for the loading area and the enormous bay doors that connected the facility to the Hive transit systems. There were three of the hazards to equip Factoria gangers at the console, and the moment he got halfway down they opened fire. Poe took a graze on his arm and dropped the rest of the height of the ladder, spraining his ankle. He swung around to fire back at the gangers, only to see his comrade, Maiko, charge the men, web gauntlet in hand, disabling the first two, but as he turned to the third, he was shot in the head at point-blank range. Seeing his friend take a fatal wound, Poe became enraged and squeezed off a series of shots with his last gun, hitting the man multiple times in the chest. As he slumped to the floor, Poe dragged himself the remaining distance to the control panel and began hitting every button he could. Moments later, the satisfying groan of the gate's opening issued from the loading bay.
Welcome everyone to the latest episode of the Dome Runners. I am your host, Crimson Oracle. I also go by Ian. And this episode is all about Sector Mechanicus Battlefield and Necromunda. And in case anyone is interested, I'm still posting hangout and hobby videos on the Dome Runners Facebook page, which is linked in the show notes. So give that page a follow if you want to catch what I'm currently working on. I'm also going to try posting what I'm doing in advance, but currently it's been pretty random. I've ordered gear so that I can have a better camera set up, but it is currently delayed due to all of the COVID-19 stuff. I just wanted to spend a brief moment to talk about what I've been working on the last couple of days, as I have found a really cool uh, way to handle certain types of prints with my 3D printer. It's not exactly useful for everything, but there is something called vase mode, which has another name for us Ender 3 users, um, but if you look up vase mode, you will find all the information you need about it. Essentially what it does is print the entire model and a single string of filament. It goes around starting at the bottom and then prints the outside all the way up, and then it leaves a hollow center and an open top. So it usually isn't that useful if you're printing something that's fairly intricate but when you're working on zone mortalis walls it can actually print the sort of most common zone mortalis tile walls that i've seen extremely quickly and easily so i had to go ahead and expand on what i had set up on my desk which was one level of a zone mortalis section from files that I had printed but were way, way, way too long and too resource intensive to bother with. The Dragon's Rest tiles are better. And I, I maintain that they're better in pretty much every way. But because I had this photo backdrop, I had kind of wanted to expand it upwards. But currently it was, you know, just one little section, six by twelve with a few walls on it. And so I have taken it up to a full 10 inches and change. And now I'm going to be able to take photographs in all kinds of different settings. And I'm going to go ahead and actually run a string of fairy lights that are battery operated through the whole thing. So I can actually light up the like photography backdrop itself, um, as well as sort of using whatever backlighting I wind up using. So I'm pretty excited to get the thing finished. Um, I'll be posting pictures on the Facebook group once it's done, so go ahead and check that out. And I'll probably post some pictures on the Twitter too, so check that out. And uh, with that, we're going to move on to the rest of the episode. Wake up, Hiver. Aren't mornings the worst? Waking up in a puddle of your own sick? Finding your clothes and having to sprint through dangerous tunnels to get to the Factoria for an 18-hour shift. Start your day right with a stop into Sumpin' Donuts for a bite of tasty fried corpse-starched dough and a hot recaf. It'll keep you alert while you work, guaranteed. Sumpin' Donuts. Hive Primus runs on Sumpin'. And now on to the main topic of the show, Sector Mechanicus. What is it? 
Broadly, it's any of the open areas of the interior of the hive, whether it's the interior of large factory buildings, the more or less open parts of a dome. These areas tend to be the top of the crammed claustrophobic zone mortalis tunnels. These areas also vary from functioning sections of infrastructure to vast storage depots to shanty towns to abandoned ruins. The Sector Mechanicus designation is something of a relic of the original game rules, splitting 2D and 3D gameplay. And in truth, the gameplay distinction matters less now than at launch, with Zone Mortalis now featuring 3D elements, and the two really mix well together in ways that I plan to talk about in future episodes. Regardless, Sector Mechanicus in this episode refers to open battlefields in less enclosed spaces than the Zone Mortalis tunnels, and as a result, could be a wide variety of settings, some of which I'll delve into here. The most obvious Sector Mechanicus setting is the various manufacturing facilities that exist throughout the Hive. From refineries to smelting to assembly lines, a significant portion of Hive Primus' space is devoted to turning waste into raw materials and raw materials into essential items used to prosecute the wars of the broader Imperium's Astra Militarum. These are a great opportunity for modeling, as a primary job of the various house gangs is protecting a gang's holdings and keeping them running. Daring raids into your opponent's territory might be fought in the very facilities they rely on for income. When it comes to modeling these industrial environments, I strongly recommend looking up images of industrial facilities like oil refineries, offshore drilling rigs, abandoned and derelict factories, and assembly lines. Looking at real-life examples will give you an idea of how machinery might be arranged, where catwalks will be placed, etc. When it comes to making these environments, it's very easy to start with recyclables. Empty tin cans and soda cans can be a perfect starting point for a facility, and things like very thin PVC or children's pipe straws from the dollar store are a great starting point for industrial storage or processing. Add ladders made from dowels and platforms made from yard sale sign plastic, and you've got yourself the start of a great sector mechanicus board for almost nothing. Adding MDF terrain can be a great way to augment these spaces. I particularly like the Promethium Forge kits that use soda cans and Pringles tubes to make industrial spaces that also happen to correspond in heights with the GW Sector Mechanicus terrain. And that terrain is also great for these environments. Check out the Kill Team Starter if you want a good sized set of Sector Mechanicus terrain, plus some goofy looking Space Marines who admittedly have holstered grapnel launchers in case you wanted to equip someone with one of those, and Bits Heavy Tau Dudes. For flooring, check out industrial mats from Game War, Game Mat EU, Frontline Gaming, etc. You can also do flooring with various found materials or try GW's Realm of Battle City board. But to be honest, it's so heavily textured it's pretty tough to build a dense board on it due to uneven surfaces. Going beyond the basic industrial space themed boards, there is no end to the potential varieties of Sector Mechanicus. Settlements are a great option with a huge amount of flexibility. You can build shanty towns from foam core and plastic card and corrugated card with third-party or Games Workshop shipping containers or with MDF hab blocks made from various manufacturers. Another great thing to throw into just about any setting are shipping containers or small huts selling guns, food, water, or whatever else you can think of. These small details go a long way to making your terrain builds feel more immersive. I was so infatuated with the idea of a board full of shops that I made what I called the Underhive Food Court Board, which is not only featuring a Starbucks, a Hive Guys, a Sumpway, and a White Noodle Dragon Bar, but also an arcade, a survival supply shop, a gun store, low stick vending machines, etc. These little details are even easier to add when you have a 3D printer in your hobby space. I'm able to make custom parts that do exactly what I want without having to scour random model companies from around the globe looking for someone who makes an appropriately scaled cigarette machine. 
I recommend looking at pictures from cyberpunk movies, Kowloon Walled City, favelas, and other extremely densely populated places to draw inspiration. There's also the incredibly rich modeling opportunity that is the sump sections of the hive. This can be anything from an otherwise intact board with a small open sump area to mostly aquatic boards with lots of bridges and catwalks, etc. The sump is fun because you can bring in inspiration from places like Venice and other cities built on waterways. Osgiliath from Lord of the Rings is a particularly resonant inspiration for me because one of the first truly inspiring gaming boards I saw after getting back into the hobby in 2007 was an Osgiliath board at the Battle Bunker in Baltimore back before it closed. When it comes to making water, there are basically three main approaches I recommend and have used. First is the simple PVA glue in thin layers. It dries clear, but unfortunately it tends to shrink as it cures, so it can be tough to get it to look right. That said, mixing inks into it works well to change the color, and it can be painted over, though I recommend using translucent paints if you want to maintain the translucent texture of the PVA. The next option, and my main go-to, is to use a clear silicone caulk. This stuff is incredible for creating choppy, wavy waters, but it's virtually impossible to get a still surface out of it. And it has a long cure time. Mine was sticky for several days after applying it to my sump board. The last option is arguably the best for speed and getting a smooth finish. The last option is probably the best for getting a smooth finish and is one of the faster ways, which is to use a UV cured resin. While you can get a specific resin water effect set, you actually could probably get pretty much the same thing by buying clear resin for 3D printers. It'll achieve the exact same effect for a much lower price tag. There are tons of amazing examples of sump boards on Instagram and other sites, but also check out photos of sewer systems in major cities. There's a little slice of Necromunda under a lot of our feet. There's also places like storage depots with landing pads, cranes, transportation shuttles, etc., which are a great opportunity to create fun playing spaces, particularly adding rules involving cranes, moving crates around, and perhaps gangers trying to get to the shuttle with an eye of uh, that's heading up to the eye of Selene, etc. And don't forget the obvious opportunity of ruins, whether it's a precarious section of the hive that can't be built upon because it experiences regular hive quakes or ruins that were overrun with hostile alien plant life that the players must at navigate and avoid. This can be accomplished with anything from the game's workshop death world scenery, if you can still find it, to aquarium plants and fake plants from the craft store. Check out things like Stalker, Shadow of Chernobyl, and actual photos of Chernobyl, as well as Rage 2's Overgrown City for some great examples of overgrown ruins. There are essentially unlimited options for a Sector Mechanicus board, so obviously I can't make an exhaustive list, but these are just some of the big themes that I've seen people tackle. The important thing is think big and think tall, because that's the biggest distinguishing aspect of Sector Mechanicus from Zone Mortalis, conceptually. Next up, I'll be talking to Neil about building Sector Mechanicus boards. fighting off bandits. There's only one brand of low sticks the discerning Orlock reaches for. Mardux. Smooth taste. Potent narcotics. Mardux low sticks are the perfect blend to keep you alert and ready to gun down whatever muty gets in your way. So light one up. Nothing tastes like a Mardux.
And uh, joining us once again to talk terrain, we have Neil. Uh, welcome to the show. Thanks. So I wanted to ask you how you approach a sector mechanicus table. Uh, do you start with the models? Do you start with a theme? Yeah, I try and make it a combination of what's strategically interesting and also what makes sense when you look at it and looks cool. Like so some technically interesting choices. Like, try and have some sniper's nest up high where either if it's in their deployment zone or they can infiltrate there, they can... Someone with a sniper heavy weapon can deny certain areas the enemy, but also there's areas where some close combat gangers can either be out of sight or jump from cover to cover. So it, everyone doesn't just stay in their deployment zone and shoot at each other. Right. And but also, but it it also makes sense in that the walkways maybe go from somewhere to somewhere else or look like maybe they did it one time before they parts of them fell over and the Prometheum and plasma conduits go from one thing to another. Like Right, right. Like it actually was infrastructure as opposed to just kind yeah. of being random sort of just bits box throw up. <laughs> yeah, and even though they call it a ferritonic furnace, I often imagine and it is a fuel tank and maybe that's where the Prometheum is and it's draining from there to off to some whatever machinery the end of the pipe ends up right, at right. <laughs> and things like that um, and I try and uh, I think I mentioned last time it's with some of that sector mechanicus terrain it's not as easy to make areas you can jump across because of the way it connects right if you just lay it out so whether you have mighty leap or not it's still you want to have yeah. people jump and do crazy nonsense and... I, I agree there it's definitely really helpful uh to include little bits like that where it actually rewards people for taking taking those kind of less uh obvious skills where they actually do get a benefit out of it like it's nice to incorporate that into your board when you're building it yeah and and, and in sector mechanicus it becomes um even things like nerves of steel becomes a little more useful because it actually prevents you from getting pinned so right. it also prevents you from falling because you only fall when you get pinned oh yeah i hadn't really thought about that <laughs> and, well i was thinking like why is spring up not better than nerves of steel because when you're pinned they can't shoot you if you're behind cover but nerves of steel is sometimes better because you don't have to worry about falling if you manage to pass your nerves of steel test it's true but if you're escher leader and you have a two-up initiative with spring up you're probably you're only going to fall one time out of six anyway and yeah the, the so then it doesn't matter really owns the agility <laughs> game like hands down yeah yeah and uh yeah and then there's like the different toys you can play with too that you know grapnel launchers and drop rigs and grab shoots or if you're that uh freak storm strix yep. guy you have all three or there's no reason you couldn't if you saved up enough money and got some good rare rolls you could have all three on a normal ganger either so not sure why you need both the drop rig and the grab shoot, but yeah, I feel like <laughs> that's excessive. But you know, 
So uh, what about uh, when it comes to height, what's your approach? Do you like to spread out or do you like to emphasize one large tower? Yeah, I like to, I like to spread it out. I like to have normally try and get so you can get from one end or another, or at least there's a ladder in or near your deployment zone that you could get up pretty quickly. Right. And, and maybe one spot, maybe a spot where you have to, where you can easily jump or something. But I think I like to have one, I like to have in the deployment zone. I don't want to be needle weighed. So yeah. <laughs> put all your gangers on the second or third floor. That's helpful. I'm not going to lie. That's a really crucial counter to that, mm. that it, it, like over overpowered territory <laughs> especially if it's particularly if it's a delac player using it it's like yeah. wait you get how many guys to come in wherever you want on the ground floor yeah and, oh your and, entire gang great <laughs> yeah and i and 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 i like but i do like to get it up i mean because of the height of the the actual sector mechanicus official terrain is five inches and then you double stack it in your 10 and then that's the max that's the max the maximum velocity there where you take max damage from 10 inches or higher so and it's kind of i don't know i'm a little i've been a little skittish about stacking my sector mechanicus terrain super high and the og necromunda i used to i had doubles of all the buildings and would pile them up super high right but I mean, there's some parts of it that are pretty sturdy, but, and you could, I haven't glued my stuff together. I tried to keep it as modular as possible. Yeah, I think, uh, I tried to go for modular as well. I'm kind of coming around to doing kind of fixed layout stuff on 12 by 12 boards. So even for my sector mechanicus stuff, I think I'm going to lay it all out like that and try to space it so that it matches up with the zone mortalis stuff that I have. Uh, but it's definitely tough to go if it's going if you're keeping it modular to go higher than like two or three levels with the sector mechanicus. You really got to start gluing it at a certain point, or things start to get really wonky. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, do you have a preferred floor height? Uh, do you try to stick to consistent floor heights, or do you like to mix the like old cities of death three inches, five inches, the Zomortalis two and a half, etc. Uh, yeah, I like to mix it up because the only thing better and funnier than someone falling is someone falling and then falling again. <laughs> uh, so I, there's the, yeah, the main sector mechanica stuff is the five inches high. Now right. you could use some of the zone mortalis stuff if you don't go too crazy. And, and there's the, um, there's those, those new, newer plasma ones where it's, it's also at two and a half. Yeah, those are kind of cool. Yeah, and then, like I said, I want to... I'm starting to get to the point where I've painted enough stuff where I can double stack it. And uh, and I definitely want to have uh, some people at 10 inches if and hope that it doesn't fall over and break any minis. Right. Uh, just break them in, within game, not in, yeah, I'll tell you what <laughs> not I in real life. Uh, to, to give my Sector Mechanicus stuff a little bit more stability, I wound up putting the, like, each section of it is, like, either a piece of the, uh, you know, the, the infrastructure or whatever, 
or some of the struts that hold up the, the panels. And I glued them down in such a way that each one is kind of like a solid piece. And then I don't actually have to worry about attaching them to each other. They all just kind of slide together. And then I set them down on top of each other. And it gives them a good bit of stability uh, while still being quite modular. Uh, you you know you lose a little bit of choice. You can't have kind of spaces where you're you've got unsupported sections. But I didn't. I was noticing that that those were kind of unstable anyway. So I was trying to avoid that. So I just kind of uh, I, I stole some of my uh, Promethean pipes and used them as floor supports and stuff like that. And now everything has got kind of everything is kind of a coherent freestanding structure. So they stack a little bit better. Everything's a little bit more stable when I do it that way. Yeah, I think so much of it was so carefully designed to be interchangeable and to lock pretty well in place if you're doing just one level. But I'm kind of surprised they didn't make something. Or maybe I missed it, but I followed the designer's Twitter account where he told you all the tricks. And like, I don't know why the struts couldn't have <laughs> something in the bottom that makes them lock into place on those walkways because yeah. you have other pieces that are designed to do that. Yeah, and the uh, the like little clips that go underneath just don't work in that context because yeah. you know, if you're pushing down on it, it's, that's how the clip comes out. <laughs> so Yeah. Uh, there is, I will say, there are um, those like little plates that you can put yeah. on top and then you can use that to, to sort of bridge a, an area. Um, yeah. but it has to line up perfectly. And I find that I wind up just doing pieces of plastic hard and stuff. Cause I like things to kind of be at, at not quite at right angles, not everything on the same grid, you know? Yeah. Uh, so do you, uh, I always feel like I never have enough ladders on a board. Um, how close do you make the ladders for your boards and what do you use? Do you use just the plastic ones or do you, you know, make your own? Yeah. I've mainly used the plastic ones that come with it and and yeah, I've actually often left quite a few of them in the box. I kind of use them as kind of choke points where you really have to decide where you want to climb up and I mean to some degree, you can just use the regular climbing rules to climb up the sides of structures if they don't have that one-inch overhang. Although, yeah, it was occurring to me, if you don't have clamber and you're, say, a goliath that moves four inches... Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, you're stuck. Yeah, you're not allowed to end your activation mid-climb, so... You can yeah. use two activations to double climb, but you have to end on a flat surface according to the letter of the rules. So yeah. that five inches is too high for some people. And even if you're a regular five inch ganger, you have to start your turn at the bottom it's true. and climb five inches times two and to get up there. Um, yeah. And I was noticing that the book apparel rules have the industrial claws and hooks but yep that you can it says one of the functions of them is you can climb fast climb them is the title but mm -hmm. it doesn't it just says go look at the regular climbing rules which hmm. i i feel like there's something missing there it doesn't even say they count as ladders well an am seems... ample opportunity for a custom uh, or for yeah. an house rule there I, I feel like they should be more like the uh 
the the elevators that are in Zomortalis, I think. Right, right. That, <laughs> that would, would make sense. a lot more. <laughs> what are they? What are they doing? No, right. In fact, why would you include things like you know chains on on uh, levers if you wouldn't or uh, or on uh, whatever uh, if you weren't planning on you know allowing people to use them like an action movie? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so when you're uh, working on Sector Mechanicus builds, uh, what are some of your favorite kits? Uh, oh yeah, I use almost I use almost anything that's 40k other than the the trees and and that kind of thing. Um, some of my favorites are from the 40k are the the Unitorum containers and the statues. Mm -hmm. um, I don't have the Eldar plants, but uh, I also often use my uh, my I use my frag drill. That's the one thing that's good oh, for yeah. holding a second level in place because mm -hmm. it grips stuff pretty tight. Um, I use my uh, void shield generator a lot. Uh, the last game of Sector Mechanicus I played before we weren't allowed to go anywhere was um, I had a Escher Ganger with a heavy stubber up on top of that void shield generator. I also I feel like even for Sector Mechanicus more so than Zomertalis, like just little knickknacks are good. Like right. I have geo, you know, purple geodes that are can be crystal deposits and. I have one of those plasma globes where it's a ball of lightning in oh, a yeah, plastic ball, and you, touch it and you can, you can those kind of things kind of, just kind of add to silliness. Oh, and I, I have a 3D printer coming soon. By the time nice. this uh, podcast is released, I should be in business. Oh, that's awesome! I, I have uh, I've been kind of uh, having a, a fight with mine over the last month or so. But I finally got it rolling again, and everything is printing correctly, so I'm feeling pretty good about it. I've I've been printing Nova Terrain for about seven months now, so yeah. <laughs> I'm finally coming in on, on close to done, which is exciting as hell, because it's been quite a slog. And I uh, I actually have spent the last night or two printing, uh, I, I've got like a little display board. Uh, that I use for uh, photography, for like taking pictures of miniatures on my desk. And it was originally just one two and a half inch height uh, sector, uh, zone mortalis uh, section. And now it is like significantly taller. I added uh, three layers of walls. And uh, so I made one level like 10 inches, and then the other two levels are. Uh, five inches or two and a half inches or no I mean one level five inches and the other two are two and a half so it's this like ten inch tall kind of little photography zone oh cool yeah, cool. yeah I think I saw some Twitter pictures of that <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm pretty uh, pretty stoked to, to get it painted up so I can you know take a little bit better pictures I'm gonna add lighting to it <laughs> so have you uh when, when you're building your boards uh do you prefer uh game mats or plastic boards or uh do you have a preference now i'm i've got a game mat and i've used that for my last few sector mechanicus games uh when i first when i first played the 90s necromunda i just bought a 
some wood had the hardware store cut it to four by four feet and spray painted it silver. Oh, nice. Yeah. And the gaming store where I mostly played Necromunda, they had a lot of custom boards they built. And while the one with the rolling green hills and the babbling book running through it didn't make a lot of sense in Necromunda, there, there's a, a snow one where it was intentionally battle damaged and it's really old, so it's even dingier. <laughs> and, 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 this was actually a lot more in Shadow War Armageddon, but we would use the Sector Mechanicus terrain from that and play it on that table and just imagine that it wasn't snow, but some white industrial ash that had blanketed the hive and right, was probably right. slightly poisonous. <laughs> I think that's... And I've been thinking about... I've been looking for other mats to represent some other things, like the... Sure. Like, I've seen some sea mats and swamp mats that I've been thinking about whether they might represent the sludge sea environment. <laughs> and right. I haven't, I haven't found a good one for the Stygian depths. Mm-hmm. Because other than one, just something that's a black, <laughs> right. totally black. I'd like to have something that, like, surely there's a, and you can get custom printed mats, right, from different places. Sure. Like, if you could find a good picture that was like looking down, you know, a shaft or surely there could be some kind of artwork that's looking down a shaft or maybe even a cityscape. Right. And right. Like have that be your mat. <laughs> so, yeah, that would be awesome. I, 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 I can't find anything like that so far. You yeah, get I'm, weird I'm, stuff. I'm thinking of how to do it with like a, of course, because I, I'm like, all right, if you did like insulation foam and if you like built up the outside of it by like three or four inches to add a little like feeling of depth and then painted the whole thing a very matte black and then you came in with it, <laughs> like imagining yeah. the process, but like that would be quite an undertaking, undertaking to make it look good making it yourself, but printing it on a mat would be a lot easier. Yeah, or ha- or when. People play games on a uh, large video monitor that's laid horizontally. Right, <laughs> and I'll have right. a picture of you looking down below, <laughs> maybe even animated or something. Right, yeah, uh, that's that's funny. Um, I definitely uh, have looked into kind of putting a big monitor <laughs> into my next game table, but I'm kind of torn about whether it's worth the effort. <laughs> or if you just had clear plexiglass and then like and you play on top of that and then you're you got the sector mechanicus stuff on top and then your zone mortalis is <laughs> piled up a few deep underneath right, that right. so you're looking down it that would that would be excellent <laughs> that that's really, would be really insane the downside of course being that if you've ever actually had had to uh play a game uh, under like in a shelf underneath something it's not very playable <laughs> yeah. but aesthetically it's very good i actually saw someone do a, a like uh, it was i think it was like a three foot by three foot uh plexiglass piece that had the grid from Aaron, aeronautica imperialis on it yeah. uh and then they could play aeronautica imperialis over a adeptus Titanic, titanicus game oh yeah so, so uh, it was definitely one of my favorite little uh, like hacks to create like a really uh, like visually 
kind of on point <laughs> game surface. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, what are some of your uh, favorite ways to add scatter terrain to your builds? Well, I use a lot of the standard GW stuff, the barrels and the ammunition dumps, but some other things, if you want more barrels and you know someone that sews, like I have, I've painted some empty spools of thread to be barrels and, and I've, I have some old small spools of electrical wire from old mm -hmm. projects that look like, you know, giant spools of large cables and those are pretty fun. I've I've made some. The old the old childproof caps had little pieces that that looked like hubcaps to me when you broke them apart. So mm -hmm. I painted them, and I've got some. I've got some sponges that I dyed purple that are my alien fungi. Oh, nice. And can sit in for probably those those El Eldar terrain in a pinch. Right. And, yeah, there, there's a decent enough rules for those uh, in Book of Peril too. Yeah, so you can use all kinds. Yeah, and... uh, my uh, my wife just got into <clears throat> sewing, and so I've been playing with. <clears throat> Excuse me, my wife just got into sewing, and I've been playing with some of her spools. And I gotta say, like, I'm definitely like, all right, you could sew a little faster. I could use more of these. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so. Do you uh, try to use scenery for objectives, or do you just use objective markers? Yeah, and well, yeah, I, I try and use um, special scenery. Even in 40k, I have my um, Dead Space Marines Guardian Away technological item, and they're and they're numbered for you know those Maelstrom missions, and then right, right, each one is a corpse from a the, that's from that legion so like one is dark angels two is unknown mm -hmm. and then so on and some of them are traitor legions um yeah i think yeah i think gravity you want to have a visual objective even if just loot caskets like normal right um so, some and it's it's a, it's especially good in sector mechanicus i think because you put those objectives on the top of the highest building in the middle of the table, and then someone has to go up there and risk falling to their doom. Mm -hmm. And yes, I talked last time I had the the animals as moving objectives, the little critters. Right. But um, some other thoughts I've had is like, there's all hacking different control panels to... Like how if you hack so many control panels, maybe you can lock your opponent out of something or cut right, off their air right. to a dome or activate yeah, some I'm, piece of equipment. I'm a big fan of adding terminals and and some kind of interaction on the terminals because I, I really think that the uh, the built-in game rules kind of leave open this sort of opportunity because I, I feel like it's, you know, it's not like a full-on cyberpunk setting. You know, it's, it's not technologically that advanced in the actual underhives, but like it's fun to include some kind of hacking and you know whatever and elements and that uses the intelligence stat which frankly doesn't get that much play in the game so it's nice to add stuff that benefit the people who have high intelligence that don't usually get to use it and 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 kill team rogue trader has those drop pods and i think there's even a mission in it where mm -hmm. 
the people are trying to evacuate. And I think, you know, that would be a fun mission to have in Nicromunda because the I don't know, the dome you're in is collapsing and you need to right. <laughs> eject from it somehow. I mean, there's rules for the, uh, there's sort of rules for that you're found that drop pod and book apparel where yep. you're kind of take getting credits or whatever from them, but because they're valuable, but I think actually going in, in the, uh, in the escape pod would be interesting. Yeah. Um, it, it's funny. I'm kind of thinking about, uh, you had mentioned the, um, the objectives for 40 K and I feel like overall, I really like love Necromunda and I think there's a lot of great missions in the game, but I think the one thing the game is kind of missing is something like that old objective deck uh, from seventh edition where like you could just like, you could create a mission by kind of drawing a bunch of objectives and then you wouldn't necessarily have to have kind of like, you know, uh, you wouldn't necessarily have to play like a fixed mission out of the book. Intrigues are kind of like that, but it's, you know, those are a little, those are all over the place. And they're kind of secondary to winning or losing the mission. There could be a mission where, those random things are what you're actually trying to do and then your opponent doesn't necessarily know what they, they are until you right, start doing them right. and you're not both trying to do the same thing yeah i, I like, like the asynchronous objectives a lot and it's something i've definitely I, i've thought about in the past but i definitely am now kind of brainstorming i wonder I, I should probably just sit down with the with that deck i know i have it around here somewhere and uh just kind of see it, how well it could port over like could i just do like one to one versions of the cards. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I guess you probably wouldn't want to have six objectives because that's a lot for a Necromunda gang to fight to fight over. Yeah. But other than that. Yeah. Uh so do you uh feel anything is missing from the existing rules uh for Sector Mechanicus games? Yeah. I w- well, there's a rule that I think is kind of weird, although I haven't had it happen because not. But when you fall on top of people and they just get hit with the same hit mm-hmm. automatically, I feel like they should maybe get an initiative check or something to get out of the way. Yeah, that's fair. Because <laughs> and I've seen people do some pretty dubious things online saying they did it i don't know if i would allow it as like grapnel launch into midair considering you have to climb to a surface i don't know if you could intentionally uh, miss right. with your grapnel launcher uh yeah, i don't know no that doesn't really make any sort of practical sense i definitely feel like yeah. there needs to be somebody needs to you know involved in the game needs to like just a little bit be like does this make any sense no yeah. okay then we're not doing it uh, and- <laughs> And then, um, and yeah, yeah, someone, although this was a more legit use, but like in my first campaign that was, you know, Turf War and Underhive, mm-hmm. uh, the Goliaths did a real dirty to me with the Grapnel Launcher. They had, they didn't have, I think the, they had different names for the, some of the same territories. I think mm-hmm. they had the one that was Vents that let them go on an upper level. Oh, and right. So, they came in like behind my heavy stubber and my buddy. I think he maybe brought in two people. One of them I took care. One of 
So they took out my heavy stubber guy and the other guy, but like all my other guys were swarming up to come retaliate because they were now surrounded and all those other guys were on the other side of the board. So I didn't have to really worry about them right now. But, 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 you know, before I could get there, the champion that was the important one, he grabbed launched over to another building (laughs) and all my guys were just standing there dumbfounded and like... The, the grapnel launcher is just, a, and to some extent, maybe the drop rig, although I haven't exper- we haven't experimented with that as much, but it's just the beginning of all kinds of shenanigans you can do. Yeah, the drop rig is, it's good, but it's not as, like, ridiculous as just being able to kind of yeah. Batman around the board or Spider-Man yeah. around the board. Because he kind of just timed that perfectly, but if you get things, like, the right tactic cards that let you take extra actions or extra turns or you you get uh or you someone oversteers you you could grab no launch and then fire a flamer or something on a bunch of guys and yeah mvp maybe even grab no launch back (laughs) that's an mvp move yeah so and that's and that's another kind of thing to think about setting up the terrain i guess but right yeah and i mean it's not and like the it was it's even good i mean it's not like it's bad in zomortalis either um when no, it was true if if you have the pitfalls like they had a lot of in the cardboard it gets you across them and it also just moves you faster than you would normally move yeah i'm it, a big fan of using uh, those pitfalls to kind of uh bottleneck stuff and force yeah. people to make choices and the grapnel launcher just goes right around that no. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, is there any uh, shout-outs that you'd like to give? Uh... I'll uh, I'll just mention my Jacksonville Necromunda League Facebook page again for yep. anyone that's in North Florida or Southeast Georgia. Once we, once civilization returns, we will start a new campaign and hopefully some can meet some new people to play with and. Uh, and this time I'll shout out my uh, general GW gaming group, which is uh, called Guardians, mm-hmm. um, which um, they also have a Facebook page and they're, in, they're also in Jacksonville, Florida. And they have, uh, for related things, they have most of the people I play Nicomunda with are in that too. And, you know, they have regular 40K and Age of Sigmar tournaments and things like that. Great. Well, uh, I can put links into the show notes for those. Okay, thanks. And uh, thank you so much for coming on. I'm sure we'll find occasion to talk again in the future. Yeah, great. All right. Do you long for the days of your youth? Running the tunnels of the hive carefree, your best days aren't behind you when you reach for a bottle of wild snake. Take a break from the stress of your toil, and ride it to your morning recap to start the day right. Wild snake, the only cure for what ails you. Welcome to On the Tabletop, where we talk about game rules related to the episode topic. 
Sector Mechanicus Battlefields are a great opportunity to add interactive rules to a game, as there's nothing more immersive than pairing beautiful terrain with rules interactions. A bunch of the game's workshop's terrain features already have rules in the Book of Peril. There are rules that allow you to use the service hatches on the Sector Mechanicus terrain to travel around the battlefield, with a chance that your opponent gets to place the fighter or delay them coming onto the board, one rule in this section I really like is improvised cover, which allows players within one inch of a hatch the ability to use an action to quote-unquote open the hatch and use it as cover. This applies even if the hatch doesn't actually open. There are multiple rules for different types of smoke that can emanate from smoked stacks. You can even use control panels to operate imposing spider cranes from the second Mechanicus set. There are rules for plasma conduits and promethium pipes, as well as even the servo hauler vehicles. These rules make it feel more like your terrain is part of the game, but they don't have to be the limit of your ideas. Consider adding terminals to the board that can interact with your terrain, or even trigger conditions like pitch black. Another thing I've always been a fan of is making terrain targetable and destroyable. This can be as a mission parameter, or as an added element to spice up a game environment. Peppering in fun little things can provide these cinematic moments, even when you're new to the game and still getting used to the rules. Down the road, adding a lot of the extra terrain rules can be a lot of fun as it adds something that can really change how a game plays even without changing up the list that the players are using. For relatively new players, keep the rules tight and simple. For example, a Nuka-Cola machine or a low stick machine will have a simple benefit that they give a player if they happen to interact with them. That sort of thing. On to the Arbitrator's Corner, which will deal more with creating rules for Sector Mechanicus terrain. What's the matter on the harbor? Gun jam? Blast cartridge fail after one shot? You messed up, didn't you? You went to Jimmy's. Fly-by-night scam artists like Jimmy will sell you a salvage gun they ran through an auto-cleaner as factory direct, and they won't be there to back you up when the chips are down. Every Vansar gun passes a rigorous 12-point inspection. We have personally tested and calibrated your firearms, ammunition, and explosives to ensure the only victim of your arms is their intended target. Don't cheat yourself out of quality self-defense. Only buy certified Vansar brand guns and ammunition. And now on to the Arbitrator's Corner. Terrain is often the hardest part of organizing gaming groups. While it's extremely rewarding to have a dense, well-painted board, terrain can be expensive, bulky, and has a learning curve when it comes to painting it. But good terrain enhances the storytelling experience and gives you an excuse to come up with fun, silly rules. Terrain can be a group effort, or someone can take the responsibility. Either way, it's a backdrop of your games and provides a huge opportunity to tell interesting stories. A way to tie the terrain into the game, for example, is to design terrain elements that match the territories you're fighting over. This can be a great way to get players to contribute terrain too, allowing them to design elements of the places they've conquered. Going further, it can be a great way to customize missions to the specific terrain and territory. So you're fighting over a manufactorum and the mission is some variation of sabotage. Make it so that you're trying to steal a secret ingredient from a terminal in a synth-still territory to crack the new drug that's making the owner rich. Think about the story that naturally fits the territory, and then you can write a mission based on that. 
As a note, one of the first things I recommend doing when it comes to writing new missions is to look at the old ones for structure, and then think of a twist or swap to fit your story. So for example, if your players don't enjoy sentry missions, you could use the basic objectives of sabotage with a different deployment. Perhaps you could have the defender deploy within 6 inches of the objective, and the attacker within 6 inches of any board edge, and then don't use the sentry rules. By making tweaks to the pre-written missions, you'll find you can change the game a great deal, and what will probably lead to more involved mission writing down the road. That is a topic, however, for another day. Hey there, Jimmy here. I'm out in the Badlands securing a new shipment of the finest arms. Go the extra miles to carry the best hardware and ask to see our reserve collection. Only the finest. Off world. And bam. Check. We get the old fashioned way and we pass the savings on to you. Thanks to everyone for listening to another episode of The Dome Runners. As always, please subscribe and rate us on your preferred podcast network and give us a like or follow on Facebook. You can search for The Dome Runners or Twitter. I'm at Crimson Oracle and at Dome Runners. Thanks to Purple Planet at purpleplanet.com for the show's theme song. And please, everyone, try to stay safe.